0: Welcome to the All Upstairs podcast. The All Upstairs was created to explore and discuss metaphysics, consciousness, mental health, and all other subjects around spirituality. Join me, Kate Weiner, spiritual mentor and intuitive coach, as I share my experiences living a spirit led life. Hi, guys, and welcome back to The All Upstairs. Thank you so much for being a supporter and a listener to my podcast. I really appreciate it. And I love when you guys reach out and tell me that you've listened or that you've taken something away from this because I feel like I'm not just talking into a microphone in my closet when you guys tell me that you've received some type of takeaway from this. And it makes me so fulfilled and helps me to want to continue doing this podcast. So thank you. I don't know about you, but the month of September has been quite a (laughs) curveball. And I say curveball because the perspective that I've gotten over the last couple of days has been really enlightening and has made me stop looking at things in a good or a bad way. And there are things I knew. I just forgot. And I had been really, really trying to look within and figure out some answers. And I was called to read... This book, and we're gonna to get to that in a minute. But let me let me kind of set the set the tone here. So I've had a lot of relationship things happen in a lot of different dynamics and settings within my life in the last two weeks, where I felt a lot of pain and a lot of uncertainty, betrayal. I've had issues with power, issues with abuse from other people. Like they're all dynamics that I know that I have allowed to happen. So, I take responsibility for my actions and my part within those. However, I am wanting to understand and get to the perspective of why are these things happening in my life and how can I shift them so that they're not a part of who I am or what I experience any longer. While I can't control what anyone else does, I can 100% control my reactions and my responses to the external circumstances. And I I will be honest, I have been very, very fearful because I feel like my sovereignty has been threatened. There's a lot of power from the government that's wanting to step in and intervene within personal choice. I, I mean, there's just a lot of shifts that are happening on a very large scale that will impact us as individuals. And that's very frightening to me. I like having my own autonomy. I like having my own choices. And I feel like I've definitely played into a lot of fear in the last two weeks. And so as a result, I really just got to a point where it's like, okay, I surrender. I don't know what else to do. I need help from God, the universe, whatever. And so he came through for me in a couple of different ways. And I say he, I should say he, she, it, the whole shebang came through for me and scripture from the Bible, but then also gave me guidance through a book called Conversations with God. And it was written by Neil Donald Walsh. And I have the book that has all three of his volumes in one. And when I was sitting in meditation yesterday and I was just like, okay, spirit, like help me here. What, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? It led me to book three. And I read the first few chapters of book three and I really want to share with you my takeaways from those chapters because it helped me to kind of shift my perspective on all of the experiences that I've had recently and, and that we're experiencing as a collective and how to kind of shift our minds, our bodies and our spirits. And so we are aligned with our truths and I'm no longer having these power struggles or I'm no longer having these bouts of fear and... And even if I do, because they're part of the human experience, I'm able to navigate and bounce back much more quickly and shift my state of being. And that sounds kind of woo-woo, and that kind of sounds new-agey. And while it is, there's also some um, different perspectives that I I hope that you're open-minded enough to hear. One of my favorite quotes from this book before we get started is, for us to remember to be the miracle for which you pray, be the strength for which you call out, be the love for which you yearn, and be the change you wish to see. And when we can learn how to embody these things, it's truly life-changing because you're then acting and giving from a place of authenticity and love and sharing that love with others. So within this book, the idea that all objective phenomenons are drawn to us through our subconscious. So no matter what we experience in our lives, we attract them because on a subconscious level, we desire it. We're seeking it and we're or possibly consciously choosing the outcome. But it whether or not we desire it on a primal level or we're wishing to experience it consciously, All situations that we experience come from this subconscious impulse from within us. These circumstances always provide the perfect conditions and the perfect opportunities for us to experience what we wish to experience to evolve. And there is nothing that can happen in our life which is not precisely perfect because every time we are gifted with an experience, it's an opportunity for either something in us to heal, or for something for us to create, or to experience something. And through that experience, we, as we choose to either heal, create, or experience, it allows us to choose and be who we really are. We are gifted with the beauty of being whoever it is we choose to be. In this book, it's saying that the biggest mistake that humans can make is to allow others outside of us, through relationships, parents, uh, celebrities, friends, family, to have a bigger influence over our choices than ourselves. And when we make choices from a place of love and choices that are for ourselves, it's the highest choice that we can make because we are choosing us out of love. The problem is, a lot of us don't know what the fuck we want. I don't know what I want. And that's such a hard thing to answer because we've grown up in a society where a lot of times we're told, this is what you do. And our parents or our caregivers were also told, this is what you do. And so, It's just been a big repetitive pattern through behaviors passed down through generations. And really, I feel like we're fortunate enough right now to have the technology and the society set up to where we can really make some changes and shifts out of what was always expected. Our lifestyle is not set up anywhere near the lifestyles that things were set up like when our parents were younger or our grandparents were younger. This allows us to really get to know who we are on a deeper level. And everyone is going to be able to, obviously, everyone has the power to make their own choices. And I think choice, because humans put their spin on, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, whatever. I think it all depends on what is best for you and what you're seeking for yourself. For example, if you want to win the Indy 500, like that's a dream of yours, you're probably gonna drive cars at like 150 miles an hour because that's what's gonna be best for you to train to win. But if you're just seeking to go to the grocery store, if you drive 150 miles an hour, like, you're probably not going to get there very safe. So what's best for you really depends on who you are and who you seek to be. And you can't intelligently choose what's best for you until you intelligently choose who you are. And I feel like that's where we've not really, as a society, chosen what's best for us because we don't know who we are. In the eyes of God, I always feel like God is giving us what is best for us because the God I am presence is also the goddess. It's the all of everything. It's the beginning and the end, the left, the right, the here, the now, the before and after. It's the light and the darkness that creates the light and makes it all possible. God is all of these things and is the all of everything. And God cannot experience any presence specific part of itself without experiencing all of God. So from this perspective and this lens through this book, God seeks to know itself through us, and we experience ourselves as the magnificent God through the choices that we make, which is so powerful. Each of our choices is creative and definitive and represents God or who one chooses to be in the now. So, whoever you show up to be right now is exactly the divine nature of God in the universe expressing itself perfectly as it is. You cannot choose to be magnificent, though, unless there is something to choose from. Because there is, let's say, lightness and darkness, there obviously needs to be a part of myself that's less magnificent for me to be able to choose than the part that is magnificent. So, if we are God in the act of creating the self, our greatest desire is to experience ourselves as who we truly are and we can only know who we truly are by learning who we are not. So, throughout the journey of our lives, We have to have the patience with ourselves and the choices that we make because a lot of times we make choices and we think we want a certain thing, but they don't bring us what we truly want necessarily. And I feel like that's probably a lot of us right now when we're finding ourselves in this pandemic and this uncertainty. How can we choose to experience something different Or how do we get to a place of knowing what we want when we don't know and there's all of these uncertainties? I think it's really common that most people believe that if they have more of a thing, like if you have more time or more money or more love, then you can finally do something. You can finally write a book or take up a hobby or buy a house, which then allows them to finally be peaceful or happy or full of love. But in the universe... Havingness does not produce beingness, but it will if you flip flop it the other way around. You have to first be happy or know or be compassionate, and then you have to start doing things from this beingness. And when you are allowing yourself to do that, you discover that your doings bring you what you've always wanted to have. So if you look at this creative process, you have to start by looking at what you have and ask yourself who you would be if you had those things and you went straight into being that way. So, for me, it's such a hard concept in my mind to grasp because my whole life, I felt like if I've always wanted something, I've had to do something for it. Whereas this is saying, because we are God expressing Himself, we are already worthy of whatever it is we desire. We don't have to do anything for it because we're already worthy of it. We're the perfect part of God existing all at once with all of the other parts of God. So, to help give an example of both of these ways of being, if someone always says that they wish that they had more time or more money or more love or whatever, that they would be happy, the person... Who says this doesn't see the connection between not being happy in the now and not having those items. But if you, I'm sure we all know someone who's always seems to be happy and they always seem to have all of this time and all of this money and all of the love that they would ever need in their life. And this person finds that they always have everything they need because they're happy first. And they decide ahead of time that they choose to be happy in the first place, which is so much easier to say, I choose to be happy than it is to actually embody and feel that. And let's look at why that is, because yay, yeah, that sounds very textbook, very woo woo. But as someone who experiences emotions very deeply, and I, I definitely feel things For someone to just tell me like, oh, you just have to feel happy and then you are happy. I'd be like, fuck you. You've obviously never had your heart ripped out of your chest. You know, like Mm -hmm. on a very real level, it's almost like spiritual bypassing. However, that's where the trauma work and the integration of emotions and trauma and looking at how society was founded, which we're going to dive into, to help us understand how we can actually apply that to our lives. So, first, when you wish to be, let's use the example happiness, first you have to act as if you are and you will draw it into you because what you act as you are, you become the caveat to this is your actions have to be sincere because natural law requires our mind, body, and spirit to be united in thought, word, and action for the process of creation to work. So, if we want to manifest or create anything within our lives, happiness for instance, we have to make sure our mind, our body, and our spirit are all on board to create this happiness. When you are trying to align these three things, you have to eliminate the selfish element of personal gain. Our egos always want something. When, when we have a desire, there's always an element of ego. That's part of the lightness and dark. So how to eliminate this is to choose whatever we want for ourselves to be selfless and to give it to another person. So for example, if I do choose to be happy, I should cause another individual to be happy. If I choose to be prosperous, I create an opportunity for another to prosper. If I choose to want to have more love into my life, I am going to cause another person to have more love in their lives. And when you do this from a place, uh, a heart-centered place with deeply sincere, and not because you seek personal gain, but because you really, truly want the other person to have this Experience The things that you give away in the universe come back to you. That's the act of giving. It's when you have something and you share it with others. Our minds can't comprehend whenever we are in a consciousness of lack and we're like, I want this, I want this, I don't have this, you know, I need this, whatever. If you are going to share and give away, let's say, happiness, your mind cannot stay in the same state of lack because you can't give something away that you don't have. So a new thought can be created from this action because now your mind's saying, well, if I didn't have any happiness, how, how did I just give some to this person? And so it allows an opportunity for a new thought to become your experience. And you start being that way. And once you start being that way, you're able to become one of the, if not the most powerful creative machines in the entire universe because you're in alignment with your divine self. Whatever we are being, we are creating. And so when that circle is complete, you'll be able to create more and more things for yourself. It's important to remember that God is always in touch with our deepest desires and he will always provide just that. We are whatever aspect of divinity we wish to be. And we can change at any moment. So if we are ready to, let's say, have a family and settle down, we will not bring up a variety of experiences for ourselves and we will stop changing our minds so often about who we are and who we choose to be and we will embody someone or an aspect of ourselves that will produce calm and um, steady life choices. Everyone makes decisions on a different level. So, when we are changing our mind really often about who we are or who we want to be, these decisions will all pan out on different levels because we all have different levels of awareness. So, because God never interferes with any of our choices and we have free will, if we assume that something happens to us We have to then assume that it's perfect that it happened because nothing escapes perfection in God's world. This is what I am taking, my takeaway is that anything that I've created that's quote bad in my life is not bad at all because it is the perfect creation that I have created that God has wanted me to experience. The design of my life, the people, the places, the events in it have been perfectly created by God out of perfection. And this is also experienced through me. And so, God and us are working together to co-create this beautiful process, which is what we then experience as our lives. The catch is, though, that We often experience or manifest or live through these things consciously or unconsciously. And so, I certainly would like to be conscious in my choices and move through my life with awareness because there's a lot of experiences that I've had that I do not wish to experience again. So, knowing that, we can make choices on three different levels. Like we talked about earlier, the body makes choices, the mind, and the spirit. And when we make these choices and they're on these three levels, they can happen simultaneously or they can happen at different levels at different times. And when that happens, they don't necessarily always coincide because when they're not acting as one, the process of creation works at all different levels by producing the mixed results. So if your choices are aligned in harmony, magic can happen. That's when you manifest your greatest desires. If your mind, body, and spirit are on three different pages, you might end up (laughs) wanting to bake a cake and you end up with a bowl of cereal. You know, both sweet, not the same thing. So when we look at these decisions, there are levels to decision making within our mind. Because our mind can and does make decisions based off of logic, intuition, and emotions. Because there's three levels to this, there's the potential for even greater inner conflict when you have the mind, body, and spirit working together because the mind also branches off into three different branches. You have emotions that are different levels. Obviously, we intuitively pick up things on different levels. And then also we think about things logically on different levels. But it's important that we recognize... All three of these things are within all of us. And we lean on maybe one or another to a certain degree more or less. I think it's really important that we talk about the emotions of our mind and our body because they are intertwined. And within these, I think they cause the most powerful responses because they feel so great. So, if we look at emotions, there's five natural emotions. We have grief, we have anger, envy, fear, and love. And within these emotions, if you walk through the stages, all of them boil down to either fear or love. And so, when we are making choices and we are creating our creations, everything starts off as a thought And they are always sponsored by either love or fear. Which is also known as the great polarity or the primal duality. Everything breaks down to either fear or love. Darkness or light. All of our actions, our thoughts, our ideas, concepts, understandings, decisions, choices, actions are all based on either fear or love. And in the end, it's really just one which is love. Because fear is really an outgrowth of love. In fear's highest form, fear is love. For example, a parent who saves a child from being killed in traffic, do they experience fear or love? And it's both, because I'm sure they're fearful of their child getting hit by a car, and they love them enough to risk their own life to save them from an accident. So if you move up the scale of natural emotions, grief and anger and envy are a a form of fear. And in turn, they're also some form of love. But the problem with people is that when our five natural emotions become distorted and unrecognizable, they're not growths of love anymore. And they're they're not much of God as the form of love because God is absolute love. So we're going to look at what happens when you experience these five emotions and what they are here to help us understand and be in tune with our higher selves. But because we live in a society that encourages us to not feel them, they become very distorted. And when they're distorted, that's when things manifest into a negative polarity. So... Let's start with grief because I am so familiar with grief and have talked so much about grief on this podcast. Grief is the part of us that allows us to say goodbye when we do not want to say goodbye. It's for us to express and propel the sadness within us and when we experience grief or we're allowed to experience grief as a child and cry and allow ourselves to feel these things as an adult it's really easy for us to feel these things as well and so we're able to express and move through it in a healthy way. If we're taught that grief is really bad and it's not something that we should experience it manifests as a suppressed emotion within our body. So if grief is chronically repressed, it can then turn into chronic depression, which is an unnatural emotion. And when people have all of this emotion stored within their body, that's when it's it comes out in very painful circumstances. People have been killed because of chronic depression. Think about people who are experiencing suicide right now or, like, I have experienced that through family. Um, think about wars that have started or internally or externally, all because we have not been able to allow ourselves the depth to experience the sadness that we've experienced. Same with anger. Anger allows us to say no thank you to things that do not serve us, and does not have to be abusive. It does not have to damage another person. Anger just allows us to see and understand that something's not aligned for us. It's not right. But if we were kids and we were taught not to be angry or anger is a bad thing and we repress it, as adults it becomes rage. And rage is also an emotion that people have killed other people for or done something in blind rage because they were so angry. They've said things that have hurt other people or damaged relationships. And it's all because we have not been allowing ourselves to acknowledge what it is we truly feel initially. We suppress. Envy's the same, the same thing. It's, Envy makes us want to try harder, want to do things that over and over again, to continue striving until you succeed. And if children are not allowed to express envy and they must suppress it or if they, they are made to feel that it's not okay, it manifests as jealousy. And I'm sure we've all seen lots of movies or know someone who's a jealous person and does things out of spite or jealousy because of not knowing how to channel that. Fear is another, the other one, the natural emotions. And babies, when they're born, they only have two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears are taught by our caregivers to recognize our environments and to be cautious so that we stay out of harm's way. It's an outgrowth of love and it's a tool to help us love ourselves because we are choosing things that help us survive. Children who are made to feel that fear is not safe will have a really difficult time dealing with it as an adult. And if it's repressed for a long time, that becomes panic, anxiety disorders, and it's unnatural. And people, on an extreme level could cause self-harm or make poor choices that impact them or on a larger scale others because of not being able to regulate their feelings. The last one's love, which is also the natural emotion, and when a child is able to express and receive love normally, naturally, without any limitation or condition. There's no inhibition, embarrassment. It does not require anything. The joy of love expressed and received will be sufficient enough for itself, and the child will learn how to love itself. But love has been taught and conditioned to us to be very limited, warped by rules, regulations. There's rituals and restrictions around it, control, manipulation, and withheld. That's where you see a lot of the abusive relationship dynamics that are between uh, adults and their caregiver or children and their caregivers. Love that is repressed for a long time becomes possessiveness or neglect, I think, because you cling tightly to what you want and it becomes yours and you can't let go. Or you cast yourself to the side because you've never been able to give or receive love unconditionally. And so, because we were taught to suppress our emotions, Many of us don't want to face our truth because it's so uncomfortable. I didn't even know that I had rage and anger in my body until this year because I was conditioned to not allow myself to feel those things. And so now that I am allowing myself to recognize when I am angry, the rage is so powerful and so overwhelming that it's fucking uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know how to channel it or what to do with it because I was never taught as a child how to handle or manage my anger in a healthy way. But as I lean into this truth that I am angry, it is allowing myself the opportunity for change. And the only way this change starts is within myself and my being. We've been living in this world where we've been imprisoned by our emotions by repressing them and it's brought lots of unhappiness and death and destruction but it's the model behavior that we've been taught for centuries not to indulge in our emotions. And if you feel grief, we're taught to get over it and if you feel angry, you stuff it and if you feel envious, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you fear feel feel fearful, You need to rise above it. Work through it. There's so many coaches now on Instagram that's just like, just fucking do the shit. Move through fear. And it's like, okay. But it's very important for you to also feel, feel it, to feel love, to, you know, allow yourself to not control it or to not limit it or not wait for it or run from it or whatever you have to do to stop suppressing your emotions. You have to feel all of it right here, right now. And when you do that, you allow yourself to be free. And when you are in your truth and you have no longer imprisoned yourself, that's when you're allowed to step into your highest self and experience freedom and liberation from the prison that we have built within ourselves and within a society of suppression there's a lot of things that we teach children not to want to experience or we teach them that is taboo or bad. Sex is a great example. We can't even tell them like through their anatomy the proper terms for what their penis is or you know we call them wee-wees or whatever. Like, we already start by teaching them to be ashamed of their anatomy. And then when they choose to explore or they get to a point where, I mean, children don't know what sex is unless they're taught. So, when they start to explore their sexual nature and they're shamed or you know they're taught that it's bad or they're looking for an explanation and they're curious and want to know and their caregivers are negative and say you don't need to know about that you'll find out when you're older you'll learn about it in school it automatically sets the precedent that oh my gosh this is not good I shouldn't feel this way I should feel this when I'm older and it causes such fear and confusion and it makes the child feel like they're a bad person. And that's what is culturally normal. This is what is what we do in our society. We don't allow children to explore and to ask questions and and to be open to answering them in a different way because when we are parents, a lot of times we model the parenting style that we received when we were kids because oftentimes that's all we know. We're so busy with school and work and life and and society says, do these things, get married, have children. Okay, well, have you actually had the time to process your own internal problems before you have children? Because a lot of people never have because that's not what society tells us to do. So we're, we're in this system right now that has the opportunity to have a giant overhaul. And really, the giant overhaul starts with us as individuals and starts with the individual healing on a individual level. And when we are able to work through this and we're able to teach and to be and to speak our truths from a higher level, because we are in alignment, body, mind, and spirit, we are able to live in states of happiness and bliss and peace. Am I there right now? No, but I'm so grateful that I got this information and I, I I have this different way of looking at how I can live my life because I always assumed God was this man upstairs that I, is judging me and is making me, you know, live a certain way. And if I don't, then I'm going to hell. Well, within this concept, there is no hell because God is all loving Yes, there is a polarity, but the polarity is still God. Because like we said earlier, if you want to experience the magnificent, you have to know what the magnificent is not. And it's not that it's bad. It's just another aspect of God. So, here we are at a time to be able to reevaluate our choices, our um, ideas. I mean, things are happening not to us, but for us through our own expressions of God. So if you've lost your job or if you're on an adventure trying to figure out your life or if you're not able to, you know, whatever it is, know that you are the creator of this. And that is because you are are God. And there is nothing that you would have been creating that was not the most perfect thing for you to be able to be the best and most aligned version of yourself so i hope this makes sense i hope you understood what i was saying or i hope i was able to put it into words where it makes sense and is digestible for you to understand this if you guys have questions i'd love to answer them just reach out to me either on instagram uh through a dm or you can always email me at thealupstairs at gmail.com I look forward to having more conversations like this. I think it's really important that we start diving into the emotional bodies, how emotions affect us, and how they are the path to God and what it is we truly desire. So have a great day, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.